0: All right, they made me stop talking, so everyone else has to do the same. Just kidding. Um, I want to start out with a, with a story. Uh, Patton Oswalt is a, a comedian and actor. He was Spencer in King of Queens for years. He does voices like in The Secret Life of Pets 2. Um, anyway, I want to tell a story about him, but I want to say before I tell the story that I don't support everything that he says or, or all of his beliefs, but I like the story, so that's why I'm sharing it. Um, it started out with a sarcastic political tweet. Um, and so if I know many of you are probably familiar with Twitter, but I'm actually not on it, but it's an online social media forum where you can say what you want and other people can either share that or uh, re- that's retweet yeah, or they can reply to it. And so it's a conversation that goes back and forth and everyone gets to see it. And so in this conversation, he started out, he posted something kind of not nice, and uh, a man named Michael Beatty tweeted back in response. he, he said, um, he, he, he said yeah this is exciting stuff huh?" Um, he said I, I just realized uh, sorry, I just realized why I was so happy you died in Blade Trinity so even though it was a movie he was kind of saying that you'd be happy if he died uh, so that, that, was, uh, that was the tone of this conversation I wouldn't recommend reading it all but, but I want to share this part this is what changed it all uh, Patton responded replied he said "'Oh, man, this dude just attacked me on Twitter, and I joked back, but then I looked at his timeline, and he's in a lot of trouble health-wise. He's been dealt some terrible cards. Let's deal him some good ones. Click and donate just like I'm about to.'" And the link that followed was a GoFundMe account dedicated to help cover the cost of, of Beatty's health condition, which included diabetes and ketoacidosis. Now, Oswald himself... Now, remember, this is the guy that pretty much said he would be happy if he died... Uh, Oswald himself donated $2,000 to this man, uh, and the fund reached over $30,000, well past the $5,000 goal. And Beatty, Beatty replied to Oswald, he said, you have humbled me to the point where I can barely compose my words. You have caused me to take pause and reflect on how harmful words from my mouth could result in such an outpouring. Now this ended well, because Oswald had compassion and was generous. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today, generosity, and, and the heart of it. Um, this is not a give to the church sermon. This is not a um, money management sermon. This is a, hopefully, a, a heart sermon of what it means to truly be generous because of the example that we have through Jesus. And so I want to start out with, uh, with Acts 20, verse 35. It says this. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do we really believe that? I mean, uh, when you get down to the heart of it, do you really believe it's better to give than to receive? And, and I just wonder, how could we get to a place in our lives where we truly feel that way? And so I have an equation that I think will lead us to generosity and there's three blanks there. Yep, there it is. Uh, blank plus blank plus blank. Three different words equals generosity. Now I didn't make this equation up, I I kind of just pulled it out of the Bible uh, through different scriptures of what I thought would lead us to be generous people. So I'm just gonna get right to it. The first blank, first word is trust. Trust. So two questions have to be answered uh, in, in this part of the equation. And they come from other passages. The Bible says a lot about money and a lot about generosity. And I'm going to jump around to a few different places, but I want you to see how it comes together. And so Luke 21, 1 through 4, says this. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. First question, do you trust God? I mean, really, do you really, really trust him in, in every way? This poor widow trusted him enough to be generous and also to sacrifice. And it begins by trusting God. Because if we don't trust him, then we won't, we won't let go of what we do trust. We talked about worship last week and how whatever we are worshiping, we become consumed with, and then it just eats at us. And so if we don't let go of that... Because we don't trust God, then that is what will consume us and will eat at us and will waste our lives pursuing something that doesn't matter. And so you have to trust God if you're going to worship Him and for this to matter in any way, for Him and for you. And so in Philippians 4, verse 6, Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. If you trust God, then do you, do you go to Him all the time or just whenever you feel like you can't handle it? Or maybe in, in places where you don't want to necessarily trust Him. Because if you don't trust Him and you consume or pursue those other uh, idols, really that's what they are, then you won't be generous. You'll hoard everything and you'll want to do it in, in, in your terms. And, and we, uh, there's Christian books and financial peace and, and we preach about it. And I, I don't think this is bad. Um, But there's always these percentages. Um, Give a percentage, maybe it's 10%, save 10 or 20%, live on the rest. I think that's a nice place for planning, and planning is very important, and the Bible speaks to that as well. Um, But I kind of get tired of just percentages sometimes. I mean, if it's just about that, then then what are we doing? Well, we are in complete control. We're in control of the percentages of, of how much we give based on that. Um, and so I just want to ask them, when is the last time, when was the last time that you gave secretly because you prayed about it and you thought, they need it more than I do? Or this is what Jesus would have done in this situation. Instead of just saying, oh, it's, it's beyond my percentage, no, what about, I have an opportunity to make a difference and to impact someone's life, so I'm going to do that now. And that's where trust, uh, why trust starts our, our, this equation in generosity, um, this is the beginning of the trusting a relationship with God. And, but there's another question that comes from Luke 16, 10 to 13. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with riches? Sorry, if you have not. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So the second question is, can God trust you? That one's a little harder. I mean, can I trust God? Well, yeah, he's, he's proven faithful. But, but with my life now, if, if you were God and you looked at someone living like you, would you think, yeah, I've been trustworthy with all that I've been given? If it's all about my vacations and my retirement, and my savings and my new anything, uh, then what I'm doing is serving money and not God. And you can either serve God or you can be served by money, which really in turn is you're serving yourself. You can't, the scripture says you cannot serve both God and money. It doesn't say it'd be hard to serve both or maybe do 80% God, 20% money. No, you have to make the full commitment. And whether you're using percentages to plan, that's great. Uh, I, I like to do that too. That's a starting place. But, but what are you doing? What are you really giving? Is there really a trust in this relationship? See, in, the, in his book, The Prodigal God, Timothy Keller, uh, it's a really good book. I'd recommend the whole book, but I'm only going to read part of it, because if not, we'd be here a while. Uh, but it says this, uh, it, this little story. Once upon a time, there was a gardener who grew an enormous carrot, so he took it to his king and said, My lord, this is the greatest carrot I've ever grown and ever will. Therefore, I want to present it to you as a token for my love, respect for you. The king was touched and discerned the man's heart. So as the gardener turned to go, to go the king said, Wait, you are clearly a good steward of the earth. I want a plot of land right next to yours. I want to give it to you freely as a gift so you can garden it all. The gardener was amazed and delighted and went home rejoicing. But there was a nobleman at the king's court who ever heard all this. He said, Why, if that's what you get for a carrot, what if you gave the king something better? And so the next day, the, the nobleman came before the king and was leading a handsome black stallion. He bowed low and said, my lord, I breed horses, and this is the greatest horse I've ever bred or ever will. Therefore, I want, you to, pre- I want to present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. But the king discerned the man's heart. Uh, and, and took the horse and dismissed him, the nobleman was perplexed. So the king said, let me explain. The gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. See, it's not always the action. And that's why I wanted to start out by saying this is not about how much we put in the offering plate or maybe even how much we give to the person in need, but is your heart in it? Are you doing it because you trust God And even more, because you love Him and you love others. Trust is not simply a proclamation. We sing songs of trust in God and and full commitment. Um, But it actually means that you believe He will take care of you. It it means that you don't give to receive, but you give because you've received, because we've been blessed. So if you trust God, I believe that you will live generously. At least that's, that's part of it. The next word is contentment. If you trust God and you are content, you'll be generous. Philippians 4, 10 to 13 says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no, no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. I I love the wording in this passage. I have learned to be content. It's like well, maybe he wasn't con- he didn't have that before. It's a process. It's maturing, uh, spiritually maturing, growing in our in our faith, trusting God more. And he learned this, um, and and he says. Whether rich or poor, and and the, the truth is, some of us maybe have always been poor, and others maybe have always been rich, or at least in terms of, of comparing, which isn't really the way to go about it. But you may have always felt that way, at least, and it, it's learning to be content either way. In 2018, Har- Harvard Business School completed a study of over 400 millionaires. I'm sorry, 4,000 millionaires, and and I want you to remember that these these are all millionaires, all right, in in the study, and each one was asked to report how much they currently had uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, how happy were they, and on a scale of 1 to 10, or, or what would it take to get to a 10 on that scale. And so uh, 26%, the largest response, was assigned to they needed 10 times more to be happy, the largest possible option. 24% chose 5 times more, so that's pretty high as well, followed by 23% at 2 times more only 13% per- of respondents said that they currently have enough to be happy all millionaires but maybe maybe surprisingly or not uh the answers were consistent no matter how much a person had if someone had 100 million they needed 10 times more but someone had 10 million they still needed 10 times more uh the the uh, guy who did this research Michael Norton he said that it's just about comparison we're not content because we look around and we don't say do i have enough we say Do I have more than than those around me? He concluded that if a family amasses $50 but moves to a neighborhood where everyone has more, they still won't be happy. And consistently, people always say they need two or three times more. The problem with with contentment and thinking that there's a number is when you get there, then you will also still need more. It, It won't ever go away. If you're pursuing money, your pursuit will be endless. And if we aren't content we won't be generous. Because how can I give to you if I don't have enough? Even if, I, even if I do, if I don't feel like I have enough, there's no way I'm going to be generous and, and give to someone else. Paul writes this uh, letter as, as the goal, but he also writes a warning in First Timothy. He says, command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment." Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. We like to think that money won't really change us. Um, it would, ne- if I, if I won uh, the lottery, I would be the same person. I mean, you would never see me here on Sundays, but I would, no, that's not true. Um, but, but don't we think that it would? It would just uh, it would just help. I would use it to help others. Uh, if, if we don't have it in our hands, it's easy to think that way. It's easy to think I would oh, I would be generous. I would share with everyone. But as soon as people get it in their hands, that's not what happens. Uh, study maybe for some, but study after study shows that the that uh, in, inheriting or winning a large amount of money uh, increases the risk of becoming insensitive, less generous, and even mean. Now, I know this isn't everyone. I know. I know that some people are, are always giving. But I think this happens because when we get money, the first thing we do is we look to our own desires or, or needs. Uh, I can think of a couple of times that, that I had, I, I've gotten a little bit of money, and I, I'm not talking about inheritance or winning the lottery, um, but I got Christmas money one year. And this has probably been eight or ten years ago, and I really wanted uh, to get a Nike watch for running. I was running on a regular basis, and I thought if I just get that, then it'll make me run, (laughs) not faster or farther, but it'll help me to measure it, and I really justified, I just need this watch, and so I bought it, and I probably wore it twice, I I didn't like it at all, Um, my wife has kind of brought brought things like that up, you know, because uh, it's just a waste sometimes, and then there was another time where uh, I I met with a couple of youth ministers on a regular basis, and they both had Kindles, those uh, e-readers, and I thought if I just have one of these then I won't keep buying books and they'll all be on there and I'll always have them all and it'll be a perfect resource. And so I bought one and I hated it. And I, and I only use it at times for speaking but I cannot stand reading on it because my pen never works when I try to write on the pages. I, I don't understand. Um, and uh, yeah, some of you got that. <laughs> or it just wasn't that funny. I don't know. Um, but uh, a, a couple weeks ago, Apple released uh, the iPhone 11 and there's three different models and and, uh, if anyone got one, that's great, no problems there, but I thought I needed it because I read the features and and they have um, uh, more battery and they look to be stronger and the pictures... So I could justify that and say, well, like, my kids are still little, and they're growing up, and I want to have the best pictures, so I should probably buy that. Um, but then I remembered that I was preaching on generosity and contentment, so I didn't buy it yet. Maybe next week. Uh, no, now you're going to hold me to it. I have, the, I have, I have an iPhone 7, which uh, has over 150 gigabytes free, and there's no problems with it. But in my mind, I've thought, well, I, it's starting to, it doesn't really work as well, and and it needs updated. Well, I just haven't updated it. Um, but but you know how it is, though. Sometimes we just think, if I only had this, then it would make my life better, and it would it would be good for me to have that. We can justify it. But if we have contentment, then that goes away. If we the the question I would ask is, do I have enough right now to have joy? Now, obviously, if we're uh, alive, we have food and shelter and and clothing. Then we have enough. Um, but can I get to a place where I really believe that? And that's where we have to get if we want to be generous. We have to have enough today. We can't say that someday if I get this or that, then I will be content, and then I will be giving. It means that I'm, I'm content with where I'm at right now, with what I have, and I can look to others just as much or more than looking to myself. And so if you find contentment in God, then you will live generously. And the last, and this is It's last, but it's not least, but it starts everything, is love. Trust plus contentment plus love equals generosity. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's a very, very famous verse. It's it's famous because it shows what God did for us, and that's where it all starts. But there's another passage. Uh, in 1 John three sixteen and 17, it's a little bit later in your Bible, and we don't read this one very much, but I like it because it's kind of like uh, a reminder and an application. It says this, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? And so what I see when I come across these passages is it's God's love and God's generosity leads to ours. There's a starting point there. And so if we're going to be generous, we first have to know that we are loved by God. And if you don't know that, then there's probably no reason uh, to love other people, Um, maybe other than just uh, you know it's the right thing to do. But if we truly know how much we're loved by God, it just extends, it, it flows out. Uh, to our love for others. And so I have two stories for this on how we might do this, how we might love others or be generous through love. In March of 2018, a lone gunman took several people hostage in a French supermarket. Uh, A French police officer offered to trade places with a hostage during the standoff. And because of his actions, the hostage lived, but the officer died. A spokesperson for uh, French President Emmanuel Macron said that uh, the officer died in the service to the nation, to which he had already brought so much. By giving his life to put an end to the armed jihadist terrorist, he has fallen as a hero. This story is like, I think that's the way that we would want to go. Not that maybe you want to go today, but if I were to go out today, I would want to be, to do it in a way that is a sacrifice for someone else, you know, to take to take the bullet or, or uh or, or to, to do the, the loving act of giving, whether it's maybe it's an organ or something. I just want to, I wouldn't just want to just die. Um, but I, if, if I had to go, that would be my top option. I think that's everyone. I think that's natural. That's heroic. It's what we celebrate, uh, to go out a hero. But that's probably not going to happen for most of us. Uh, prob- maybe not any of us. So how do we, in this uh, loving way, be generous? And so this is the last story. Fred Craddock, uh, in in an address to ministers, caught the practical implications of consecration, of of becoming more like Christ. He says, to give my life for Christ appears glorious, to pour myself out for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom, I'll do it. I'm ready, Lord, to go out in a blaze of glory. And so that's the way that we maybe want to go. We think giving our all to the Lord is like taking a thousand dollar bill and laying it on the table here's my life, Lord. I'm giving it all. But the reality for most, he says, is that he sends us to the bank, and he has us cash the $1,000 for quarters. And we go through life putting out 25 cents here and 50 cents there. Listen to the neighbor kid's troubles instead of saying, get lost. Go to the committee meeting. Give a cup of cold water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Usually, giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in those all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. That's what it means to be an outwardly focused Christian. Every day, to take the quarter, to do the loving act, to say, hey, Jesus loves you, and and, uh, and I'm, I'm going to use this opportunity uh, to, to let you know it. Um making a little sacrifices because God made the big sacrifice first. So if you're in a loving relationship with God, I believe that you will live generously. And so there you have it, trust plus contentment plus love equals generosity. This is where the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ comes in. Because honestly, trust and contentment and love they don't just happen naturally. These happen for a reason. See, God has proven himself trustworthy through the promises and the cross. For hundreds of years, six to eight hundred years before Jesus, prophets were saying, hey, uh, I'm, God is going to, to give you a Messiah. He's going to deliver someone to save you. You can you can trust that he'll be faithful, and he was. He is faithful. God has proven himself to be enough. We don't think we have enough, but God offered what we needed most in Jesus, only what he could do, but Probably mostly, uh, the thing we need to remember the most is God has proven himself loving by giving his child to die an excruciating death so that we could be with him in heaven. That's how we know that we can trust him. That's how we can be content because we know that his love shows no bounds. And so, there's no to-do list uh, on how to be more generous, but I think there's something that maybe should have come first, that if we would just follow this, we will... All all the rest will happen. And it's in John 15, and Jesus said himself, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And so I don't want to get rid of that other equation of trust and contentment and love equals generosity, but I think there's a bigger, a bigger meaning behind all this. Your relationship with God equals generosity. Your relationship with God directly correlates to how generous you will become. If you want to make a difference, if you want meaning in your life, if you want to live a generous life, spend time with Jesus in prayer, and Bible study. And as your relationship with God becomes stronger, you'll have no other option than to be a more generous person because you saw that that's what God did for you. If, if you don't know that, you have to know that. None of, this, none of the rest of this matters. It's not like a, a to-do list. I read through it, and, uh, and then I'll, I'll become like Jesus. No, I need to know who Jesus is, and he gives us a spirit if we're connected to him, and through that, then we become more trusting, and we become more content, and we become more loving. It's not something we do, but something he'll do for us if we would just connect with him. So if you don't know Jesus and how much he loves you, I'm telling you right now, he showed it, God showed it through sending Jesus to die on a cross, a place that we should all have to die, uh, an eternal death in hell. And I know that that's not the fun part, um, but if you don't understand how bad the bad news is, you won't appreciate the good news. The bad news is we all deserve eternal death and hell. The good news is we don't have to take that because Jesus took it for us on the cross. And so if we want to be more generous and we want to be more loving, we want to make a difference, just accept that first. Accept the truth that God loves you. And so if you haven't made a decision, I'd like you to come and talk to me after the service or, or any anytime you want. Uh, my number's on the, on the program. You can call. You can come in. Uh, you have to know this for this to, uh, to go anywhere. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, that that you loved us. Uh, Thank you that uh, we don't just have to to do things to earn any of this, um, but because you've loved us, because you showed how much you love us through Jesus, we have a way to heaven, we have a way to you, we have a way for a fulfilling life. I just can't imagine what it was like to say to your son, you got to do this you got to go die a painful death for them. But you did it and he was willing. And so your faithfulness uh, is is proven in that. And so I just ask that that we go out and share that. Not that we go out and share generosity and the meaning, uh, but we love people so that they can know that they're loved by you. Thank you for Jesus and it's his name I pray. Amen.